So we, we continue in First John. We're in uh, chapter 3, verses 11 through 24 this morning, where uh, John gives us a really good conversation on, on love. Su- surprise, right? He's been, he's been talking about this for the, for the whole letter. And remember in the previous section, John talked about uh, two types of spiritual heritage. We, we are either the uh, children of God or we're the children of Satan. And by nature, we, we are children of the devil, but by grace, we are children of God. And, uh, you know, this is quite a contrast. And, and again, you know, I want to point out that John talks a lot in contrasts, you know, light versus darkness, uh, life versus death, uh, righteousness versus sin. And, you know, very, very black and white, John is in, in these discussions. So in today's message, he, he contrasts love with, with hate. And, uh, you know, I was talking with one person recently, uh, I'll give her credit, Teresa, <laughs> who was pointing out that uh, sometimes the, the opposite of love is maybe not hate as much as it is indifference. And uh, I, I, I chewed on that for, for a couple of days. I, I like that, and I appreciate that. You know, it's a, it's a lack of caring about other people. And uh, Gordon MacDonald shares the following story about visiting a small group of men and, men and women uh, affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous. He said he visited the group because he had some friends who were recovering alcoholics and he wanted to see for himself what they were talking about. And, and this is what he found. One morning, Kathy, I guess her age at 35, joined us for the first time. And one look at her face caused me to conclude that she must have been Hollywood beautiful at 21. But now her face was swollen, her eyes were red, her, her teeth rotting, her hair looked unwashed, uncombed for, for who knows how long. And she said, I've been in five states in the past month. I've, I've slept under bridges on several nights, been arrested, raped, robbed, and she was now weeping. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be homeless anymore, she said, still sobbing. She said, but I can't stop drinking. I can't stop. I can't. And next to Kathy was a rather large woman, uh, Marilyn, sober for more than a dozen years. And she reached with both arms towards Kathy and pulled her close, so close that Kathy's face was pressed to Marilyn's ample breast. I was close enough to hear Marilyn speak quite quietly into Kathy's ear. Honey, you're going to be okay. You're with us now. We can deal with this together. All you have to do is keep coming. Hear me? Keep on coming. And then Marilyn kissed the top of Kathy's head. McDonald, Gordon McDonald says, I was awestruck. The, the simple words, the affection, the, the tenderness. How Jesus-like. I couldn't avoid a troubling question that morning. Could this have happened in the places where I have worshipped? Would there have been a space in the program for Kathy to tell her story? Would there have been a Marilyn to respond in this way? Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I feel convicted by such a story. You know, we should, we should take a good look at our hearts. You know, let's, let's ask ourselves, you know, are, are we being people of love? 
And if we don't love one another, John says, we're not abiding in God. We need to rely on God to to overcome our, our natural tendency to not love properly. And that's what I see in uh, 1 John 3, 11 through 24. So read in your Bibles with me as we read today's text. John 3, 11 through 24. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Who does not, or whoever does not love, abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit he's given us. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, that uh, each of us today would uh, hear your word as we, as we open it. Let us uh, hide your heart, hide your word in our, our hearts, Lord. Let your word be a, a lamp unto our feet, our feet and a, a light unto our path. In Jesus' name. So remember, in this letter... John was was countering the uh, the Gnostics, you know the, these Gnostics. They they touted a, a new secret knowledge. You know they they had the inside scoop. Uh, they, they possessed this this knowledge that that nobody else had. You know, so they were they were an exclusive group. And uh, yeah, this this is the mindset that that tends to uh, form cults and attract cult members. You know, the, uh, the attraction is that they have some new knowledge that, that supersedes the old. We, we see that in, in a lot of our modern-day cults. But here, look at what John is saying here. He's saying, look back to the old. Let's look back to what we've heard from the beginning. This, is, this has been around for a long time, this, this command that we should love one another. This is, this is foundational to the Christian walk. If we don't love, according to Paul, we have nothing. We, we are nothing, according to the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 
Now, there's three things I'd like for us to look at today. First, we're going to look at a negative example in, in Cain, who, who killed his brother Abel. And then we're going to look at uh, the positive example, who, who's our Lord Jesus. And then we're going to look at love and how that's related to our, our standing in God. So John begins by giving us a, na- a negative example. You know, he, he continues to point out that, that love is, is foundational. You know, Jesus said, as I have loved you, so also love one another. And so we need to keep this commandment in, in the forefront of our minds every day as, as we live the Christian life. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians sixteen fourteen, let all you do be done in love. Let all you do be done in love. This, this should inform every moment of our lives and every action that we take, every thought that we have, loving one another. Let all that you do be done in love. You know, the totality of everything that we think and say and do. If we don't have love, we're, we're nothing. Everything else is, according to Paul, a waste of time. If we don't have love, now I don't know how much clearer he could have made this. In the in the verses preceding this, remember John points out that the uh, the one who does not love his brother is not of God. The person who hates his brother walks in darkness. And uh, you know if that's if that's me, if that's you, we're we're very far from God. And if we don't love one another, as John points out here, we're, we're like Cain, who was of the evil one and, and murdered his brother, Abel. Remember that story? You ever, you ever wonder about that? Uh, you know, each presented a, a sacrifice. Cain brought the, uh, the fruit of the ground. He brought, he brought grain and sacrificed that to God. And Abel brought the firstborn from his flock and, and the fat portions, it says. But it says that Abel's, Abel's offering was acceptable to God, but Cain's was not. You know, and that, that maybe should cause us to uh, ask why. Now, I've heard sermons that, that say that traditionally, uh, you know, Cain's, Cain's offering was unacceptable because it, it was not a, a blood sacrifice. I, I grew up hearing that. And, uh, you know, what makes me wonder is later on in, in the law, God commands both types of offerings. He, he commands a grain offering and he commands a, a, an offering of, of an animal. According to uh, one commentator, in the end, the, really the only thing that makes the text clear is that uh, Cain in some way does not do what was right. There was something wrong with his heart. John says, why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were, were righteous. And so, you know, we can, we can infer from Genesis 4, 6 through 7, that, that God did not accept Cain's offering because he was an evildoer. He had sin in his heart. His, his motives were, were wrong. And in the text, the Lord following the uh, the rejection of Cain's offering and before Cain murdered his brother says to Cain, this is Genesis 4, 
uh, 6 and 7, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do will, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You know, this, this reminds us of the, uh, the religious leaders in Jesus' time who, who killed Jesus. You know, they, they did their religious duty. Uh, they, they said their, their prayers. They, they offered their sacrifices. But what can we say about their, their religion? It was, it was empty. They didn't even recognize the Son of God who was there right in front of them in the flesh. They had sin in their hearts. They were far from God, just as, as Cain was. <clears throat> Thinking they were serving God, they were really serving themselves, and, and they murdered the Son of God. <clears throat> now John follows this, saying, Do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. Now just as Cain hated Abel because of the sin in his heart, you know we can be assured that those who reject God may hate us as well. We're different, aren't we? We shouldn't be like Cain. We're, we're not of the world. We, we can't be haters. But we can't also be surprised that the world hates us, John says. If somebody, does, if somebody doesn't know God and they despise me because I do, there's not a lot I can do about that. I'm okay with that. They don't know better. You know, um, John says we, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we, we love the brothers. And here's that, that contrast between hate and, and love. You know, the evidence of our membership in the family of God is our love for one another. The, the evidence that we're not slaves to uh, sin anymore, that we have eternal life that we're walking with, God, that we're abiding in Christ is that we love each other. And uh, even, even the world, Jesus said, will, will know there's something different about us. They know, they'll know that we're his disciples, his followers, because of the love that we have for each other. Now remember from chapter 2, uh, John had said, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so here in 14 and 15 of this chapter, he says, whoever does not love abides in death. You know, rather than abiding in Christ, this person is abiding in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. These are strong words of warning, aren't they? These are, these are words of warning that we need to take to heart. This is God's word, and it's very sobering. Let's, let's examine our hearts. Uh, you know, if, if we hate our brother, there, there's something dreadfully wrong with our walk with Christ. <laughs> 
In fact, John says we abide in death. We, we remain dead. If we don't love our brother, we're, we're deceiving ourselves if we think that we even are walking with the Lord. You know, we, maybe we come to church, we sing the songs, we listen to the sermon, but, you know, we're not proving ourselves to be followers of Christ. Uh, we're, we're pretending. So we need to take this seriously. We can't just pay lip service to the commandment to, to love one another. This is so important that it just keeps coming up again and again and again. And God's word, this is God's word. Now, thankfully, John doesn't end the conversation with this negative example of Cain. He gives us a very positive example. In fact, the, the ultimate example of love. Here's the contrast. Cain, who... who out of hatred, took his brother's life. And Jesus, who out of love, laid down his own life. You know, John shows us this, this genuine love. You know, this is just the uh, pinnacle of examples in verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is, this is the benchmark this is the standard by, by which we must live, the love that Jesus had for us and still has for us. What does real love look like? It looks like the Son of God coming to earth, humbling himself, becoming one of us, suffering physically, suffering insult, suffering in, in so many ways, taken on the form of a servant. Dying on our behalf. This is love. This is the kind of love we must have for each other. This is exactly what Jesus said in John 15, 12 through 14. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Oh, do we... Do we love one another the way Christ loved us? Do we lay down our needs? Do we lay down our desires for others? You know, are we, are we willing to lay down our pride for others? Are we willing to say, I was wrong, forgive me? Are we willing to Are we willing to do that? You know, what, what is it that we're unwilling to lay down for our, our brothers and sisters? I guess may, might, be a, might be a better question. Those things are idols in our hearts. What idols do we hold on so tightly that we disobey Jesus? <laughs> that we disobey Jesus who, who laid down his, his very life. You know, we're not friends of Christ if we disobey him on this command to, to love one another. And our love needs to be demonstrable. John says in verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. James says something very similar in James 2, 15 through 17. He says, if a, sister, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, 
go in peace, be warm, be filled without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What he's saying is our faith is evidenced by our love. It, it needs to be tangible. It, it, it ought to, you know, it's not enough to, to just give lip service to this. It's not good enough just to know this. We need to do this. Do we close our hearts, as James says? Do we close our hearts when we see our brother or sister in need? If, if we do, it's to our shame. Um, you know, God commands that we've got an open heart and that we have open hands towards one another. Um, in Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8, God commands, if, one among, if, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. This is a call for tenderheartedness, isn't it? Not hard-heartedness. And I, and I, want, <clears throat> I want to say I've seen some um, things people in this church have done. Just I'm aware of some very amazing things that a lot of a lot of you have done to help out other people i i've I've seen some really great demonstrations of love in in our family here um, and I know there's a lot of things I don't even know about things that just happen people not doing it for recognition people not doing it to to elevate themselves it's you see a need and you do it and I know that's happening all over the place. Open hearts, doing it out of love because God's love abides in you. You know, beyond physical things, we need to make sure we don't close our hearts in in other areas too, you know, emotional needs, (laughs) spiritual needs. You know, let's, let's open our hearts to each other in love in each area of life. Let's, let's truly care about each other. Let's, let's seek to build each other up, never tearing each other down. That's what Paul says. Let all things be done for building up. This requires love. This requires that we put others above ourselves, just like Jesus did, being sensitive about others' needs. you know. But it's so easy for us to focus on our own needs that we forget God's love requires us to, to have open hands and open hearts. So let's let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You know, let's let's not just talk about it. Let's let's practice it. Uh, here's another test of our Christianity. In this letter, John is saying that we need to love each other. Let's look at this last point. Where where do we stand before God? Where does where does this play out? in our, our walk with God, our relationship with God. Here's the thing. We often don't love one another as, as we should. We all fall short. We often put ourselves above others. We often put our own needs above others' needs. But John says, 
in verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of truth and reassure our heart before him. You know, our, our, we know our, our performance isn't what saves us. Our works don't save us. John does not say we're saved by loving one another. He says that love for one another is the evidence that we're saved. You know, Jesus doesn't say, be my disciples, become my disciples by loving one another. He says, by this, all men will know you're my disciples because you love one another. Now, what John is addressing here is the gut-wrenching reaction we should have when we realize we're not being obedient to his commandment. And he gives us three things to to consider here. Uh, Condemnation, confidence, and, and commandment. Three C's. Now, first that he says we will, when we fall short, we will experience self-condemnation. Verse 20, he says, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. He doesn't say if our hearts condemn us. He says when our hearts condemn us. Why do our hearts condemn us? You know, for one thing, it's because we've been listening to the enemy, the accuser of the, the brethren, who is pointing out that very quickly pointing out that we haven't passed the test here. We, we haven't obeyed as, as we ought. We have not loved as we ought. We, we haven't even believed as we ought. And he says with, with accusation and condemnation, look at you. You think you're a true believer in Christ, but, you know, if you really were, you'd be a lot different. And what's the result? We're, we're driven to uh, despair. And in contrast, the Holy Spirit, who does not condemn us, if we're in Christ, he convicts us of our sin. He'll put in us a desire to do what's right. He'll put in us a desire to do what pleases God. So there's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. Yeah, I know people who will sometimes say, yeah, I don't even know if I'm saved really. You know, um, what what if I've been fooling myself this, this whole time? You know, I'm I'm the if I'm a Christian, I'm the worst Christian ever. We can we can fall prey to that. We can fall prey to moralism where we feel like we need through our actions to earn God's love, to earn salvation. That that those thoughts are not from the Lord. In contrast to condemnation, conviction from the Spirit of God takes us to the throne of grace where we can say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I know I'm failing. I need you. I love that hymn that, that talks about every hour I need you. Every hour I, I need I need the Lord. I can't do it on my own. Forgive me and thank you, Lord. And this is what this is why John says in verse twenty one, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Because as Paul says in Romans eight, one through two, 
There's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we can have confidence in him. He knows our hearts. He he knows our frailty. He knows that that we often stumble. He knows that we're weak and, and that we falter. The thing is, God's stronger than our weak. His strength is stronger than our weakness. His grace is, is greater than our sin. He, 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 is, he is greater. His spirit is greater than our doubting hearts. He, he loves us. He doesn't disregard our failures. Sometimes he disciplines us. You know, the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. And there's a big difference between discipline and condemnation. But he commands us to be holy, to be obedient. And he knows we love him. And if we do love him, Jesus says we will keep his commandments. And, you know, John records Jesus saying this four times in in the gospel of John. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, Makes it very clear. Are we living for Christ or are we living for self? You know, he wants us to be in close relationship with him. He wants us to do his will, to seek his pleasure where where our desires are the same as his desires. And when we do that, we can ask anything according to his will. It says, John in verse 22 says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Do we seek what pleases God? You know, John's mentioned this before in the letter. He, and he, he gives us two vital commandments here. He's, he's mentioned several times we need to follow his commandments. If we are truly his, we will keep his commandments. Two commandments here. First, we're to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. This is how we're saved. Believing. Believing in Jesus Christ, we, we must realize the Father's love for us. You know, he lo- loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Perfect sacrifice that, that we might be able to come to him for the forgiveness of our sins. There's no other name by which we must be saved. So first things first, we love him because he first loved us. And only then can we truly live this second commandment that we love one another. Yeah, I was thinking about this this week, you know, and that um, even even the unsaved can, can love one another, can't they? You know, think of think of a mother's love for, for her child. You know, the difference is though, again, we're we're not saved by loving one another. Our love for one another is a result of our salvation. It's evidence of our Christianity. It's not its not its source. So verse twenty four, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. So these two commandments, that we believe in his name, 
and that we love one another. And we have this assurance. We have the presence of God in us by the indwelling Holy Spirit if we have believed. Remember what John said earlier, that we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit who, who's the spirit of truth. You know, he, he indwells us. He, he teaches us. He brings conviction when, when we sin. You know, thank God he, he did not leave us as orphans. When Jesus ascended, he sent the spirit. He's given us his indwelling presence through the Holy Spirit. That's great love. Well, as, as we close, we, we must love one another. You know, again and again, John says this. And unlike Cain, who, who took the life of his brothers, we must be like Christ, our Lord, who gave his life that we might live. No greater love. So let's, let's take our hatred and our indifference to the cross and trust the Lord with, with this. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us into obedience through his convicting power. You know, God knows we're weak, but that in him we are strong. Let's pray. Uh, Father, in, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the cross. We, we thank you for the work of, of Jesus Christ who loved us and, and gave his life for us. Lord, help us to embrace this kind of love, this, this kind of Christ-like attitude towards each other. Let us be conformed to the image of Christ. Um, we know that we, we don't love as, as we ought we, we don't obey as we ought. We don't believe as we ought. Lord, bring conviction to us through your spirit. Give us power through your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need you. Amen.